Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please download the app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, uh, we ask you if you're going to help us out on social media, primarily help us out on Rumble and uh, and Twitter. But if you do happen to see us on YouTube and Facebook, like like us there too. Subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, this way we could try to reach a wider audience. Today, we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Michael Gormley, uh, who is a mission evangelist for Paradisus Day. <laughs> And we're going to be discussing a new video series uh, that he has, The Joyful Mysteries, the second installment of its Mysteries of the Rosary series. Uh, Now, some of you out there might know Michael, having said that, Michael Gomer Gormley has spent 20 years evangelizing and discipling men and women, teens and young adults in the Catholic faith. He spent 17 years in full-time parish ministry while also running LayEvangelist.com, his apostolate of evangelization for the last 12 years. He's a successful podcaster and frequent guest on Catholic podcasts and radio shows, and we're very pleased and honored that Michael has decided to join us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Gomer, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Hey, thank you for having me. This is going to be awesome. Absolutely. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinella. We'll have a great conversation. Mike, we always start with a prayer to Our Lady in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. Amen. name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Michael's a pro. He's a podcaster. We were talking a little bit before the show. Before we get into the topic at hand, because yep. I'll be honest with you, I love talking about the rosary. You mentioned that you were not on Twitter. Now you are. You're a podcaster. Joe and I have been in this game, I guess, for six years. We don't get paid. We just do it. Uh, we pretend like we're, we get paid, but we don't get paid. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway. Uh, hey, I got to go to work right after this oh, show. Oh, I, I know. I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we do it for the love of God. Um, what's your thoughts on Catholic social, you know, media and the whole deal and podcasting? I have mixed feelings. I'll be truthful yeah. with you. We're in it. You're in it. Um I think there's a lot of voices out there. Um, I think some of them can get a little twisted. You mentioned something regarding Twitter that it was leading <laughs> yeah. you to mortal sin. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm just saying, what's your thoughts? Because we we were on uh, Stations of the Cross. We had a similar conversation. I'm just interested to gauge your thoughts on it. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Um, 
Yeah, so I've been doing podcasting for now nine years. Uh, my show, the first show that I did was called Catching Foxes, still going. Um, and our, our goal was just, you know, I love the podcast as a medium. I've been a listener since podcasts were first invented, since the first tech news guy slapped a, an audio file, an MP3 file to an RSS feed. Uh, I, I have been in love with the form. So when we started it, I was super excited. But what you end up having is... Um, all, a lot of Catholics in the Catholic space end up commenting on the same things all the time. And so you want to get an edge. And so this is where, you know, you have that great um, line, the medium is the message, where because you have a low barrier to entry with podcasts, anyone can make one, you can create it really quickly and easily. You get a lot of content, I'm on favor, let a thousand flowers bloom. But then what happens is um, the worst sides of us in order to get the clicks, the views, the listens, the likes uh, manifest in order to everyone to get an edge to get this, you know, we're not news reporters, so we're not trying to do breaking news, but we're the tendency, like you watch any 24 hour news channel, the tendency is to sensationalize, energize and polarize everything. And so um, the the Catholic podcasters and the Catholic, uh, you know, people, the presence on social media, Instagram, whatever, if they truly discern and develop their their niche, right, what they want to do and stick to that mission, I find that those are the ones who grow the faith, who spread the kingdom, who uh, this becomes a form of, you know, St. Paul walking the Roman roads to evangelize. But to those who then become competitive in uh, a negative sense, because let's be honest, I'm a man, it's all, everything's a competition. But uh, <laughs> the idea is um, it can bring out our our, our worst uh, angels, right? It can bring out the demons within all of us. And uh, yeah, and uh, so for me in Twitter, I realized that, you know, those sins of uh, gossip and calumny and detraction yeah. and mockery, right? Those are sins that we don't really talk about, maybe except of gossip. But uh, to have friends cheer me on the savage takedown of a stupid atheist or, you know, whatever kind of condescending way, I realized like, oh, oh, this is like, I'm, this is like the Roman arena of words. Like, I'm in a coliseum here and I'm the one with the sword. And I realized that it was... Um, to build an audience what and I had thousands and thousands of Twitter followers and I just was like nope my soul is literally in peril delete and I killed all my social media accounts and that's kind of stupid to if you're a podcaster to kill all your social media because you can't get the word out but um me and my buddy my co-host Luke and uh and even for our podcast we killed it all uh Facebook Twitter Instagram just annihilated it all and I'm not an addict of this stuff but I found that when something happened in the Catholic world, I had to comment on it, and I find that that was creating a little uh, uh, low self-esteem narcissist within me. <laughs> and so that it was just, I don't know, going to confession frequently, actually, you know, some people say like, oh, I hate going to confession all the time because I just say the same sins. And it's like, well, then you're kind of not doing your examination right. And so the more, the deeper I would go, I'd be like, oh, yeah. No, th this is me meditating on, you know, the fifth commandments, you know, in taking, um, you know, killing people's reputation, going after this stuff, and and it, it just was not profitable for my spiritual life. So it, it does, it does. It, I, I can absolutely understand what you're saying, Michael Gormley. I mean, I look at it this way: if if you look at all of Catholic Twitter, let's say, I look at it as we're an army. Okay, we're an army, and I'll be called in that army to do maybe something incredibly heroic. But in the meantime, Joe and I, we're in the mess hall. We're cooking for the troops. Okay, we don't have. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of followers. We might get there. I don't know. 
Well, I don't know what God's doing with our show. I know we're in the fight. Yeah. That's undeniable. If you take that point of view, then I'm not going to argue with this guy or that guy. We'll mm -hmm. give you an example. Joe and I have said all the time, if someone's not going to come on our show because of somebody we've interviewed, uh, then, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Because yeah. we're willing to have you, not, not you, Michael Gormley, but we're willing to have you. You want to come on our show. Oh, but you don't want, oh, you found out we interviewed that guy. Yeah, but we talked to that guy about something that might not be so controversial. Right. So why don't you just have an open, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Um, and you want to know what? That doesn't do our army any good. We're fighting against a much, much bigger enemy. We should not be fighting against one another. Um, and I think that's a good way to look at it is right now I'm in the rear with the gear. Maybe I'll be called to storm the machine gun nest. And Joe, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All I know is this show up every day and fight the fight. Let God do what he's going to do with, with what you got going. Your comments on that quickly, Michael. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I uh, So I recreated a Twitter account uh, at Lay Evangelist, which is kind of tied to my online apostolate. But what I'm trying to do, and I made the mistake of <laughs> starting it right when the Israeli-Hamas war began and just seeing the the, the bizarreness of, of evil Twitter side, you know, just manifest itself. Um, but I've been very, very cautious, very, very deliberate, and I try to be extra thoughtful as the things I'm putting out into the world. And it's a lot less than what I used to. And uh, yeah, the the idea of thinking that to be online is to be on the front lines all the time, always, you know, going Winchester on ammo, thinking that I'm the guy that's going to single-handedly save, turn the tide of the battle and realize like, eh, you know what, <laughs> like you said that operations actually wins the wars, right? You, the guys in the back uh, making sure the trucks are coming and all that stuff. That That's what we need. And th the other thing is, and this is where I, I really believe this. There is a satanic deception to remove our attention on discipleship, individual discipleship, men passing on the faith to their families, to their children, to their neighbors, individually, right? I'm, a, I'm the biggest proponent in the world of, you know, now we have these mega parishes because of consolidations and mergers and stuff. We're going to lose our edge with discipleship. And so we have to make the church small in any way that we can. But hey, if I have a platform with thousands, isn't that the same thing? And it's like, no, it's not. Especially when you when you feel like you're the guy storming the machine gun nest every single day. Like if I don't do this, if I don't, you know, blast at these people, then Satan's going to win. It's like, yeah, but you're also not loving your family right now. Like it can become a distraction from the primary mission that every baptized confirmed Roman Catholic has, which is to make disciples. No, absolutely. And obviously the foundation of that is prayer. And we as Catholics, you know, that's right. We pray our rosaries. Okay. So your, um, your video series, the joyful mysteries, this is your second installment of the mysteries of the rosary series. If you're just joining us, Michael Gormley's here. Uh, he's a mission. Michael, am I pronouncing that right? Par Paradisus Dei? Yeah. Paradise of God. Paradisus Dei. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So Joe Restinello, where do you want to go? I'm glad you said it, Joe, because I don't even speak English, never mind Latin, so that's a good deal. Because <laughs> you're a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's it. So how'd you get involved with the organization, and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. Um, you, you could say my first involvement was when I graduated from Franciscan as an undergrad, and I was a youth minister at the parish that I was a teen at, St. Anthony's in the Woodlands. 
and uh, they had just rolled out this new program called That Man Is You, which is an international men's program. It's in English and Spanish. It's a wonderful men's program, and I started going to it as a single, you know, I wasn't married, didn't have kids, anything like that, and I would go to it and uh, fellowship with all the gray hairs at 5.30 in the morning of the parish and all these guys, and I thought it was awesome that these men are coming together and they're learning the faith, and it's taught by a guy who's not me, who's not some guy that went to Franciscan and studied philosophy and theology. It's by a guy who was a trader in the energy market and all of this stuff and a successful businessman who is a devout Roman Catholic Steve Bowman and um, him and Mark Hartfield who went to Franciscan with me I actually got to know him pretty well at Franciscan he they ended up building this wonderful ministry called Paradisus Day the paradise of God and the the kind of conception of the paradise of God is Nazareth right Mary Joseph and Jesus what what better paradise could we have than that and the recreation of Nazareth in our own homes is is their goal, right? And so to build that up, they realized that, uh, and Steve Bowman has a great story about going to a Presbyterian church where they had 400 men going every week to uh, their men's ministry. And he's like, well, I wanna start one here at our parish. And so men will never go. And then 125 guys showed up uh, at the first week. And it's become this catalyst that has, um, I think, it, you know, similar to the Knights of Columbus in terms of uh, building community, fraternity, and, uh, and service, that man is you has done that for formation systematic formation of men so fast forward uh two decades i've been doing parish ministry um i do talks on the side travel consulting do all this stuff for the church and um obviously the podcast but i was feeling like it was my time to leave parish ministry i've been doing it since i graduated college and one day they sent me a text message uh jamie's like hey can i give your email address for a men's conference uh, give it out they want to bring you in and i said yeah and are you hiring and they said, are you serious? Uh, we'll call you in two hours. So I had this wonderful four hour, several four hour long conversation about what it would look like. And so really what I do for them, the way I pitched it was, listen, I, I, I travel and I give all these talks. Um, let me be the guy on the road for you. Because uh, they, they, the way the organization is kind of configured, they don't really have a guy on the road anymore. And I was like, I'm a speaker. Uh, it's what I love to do. I recorded a handful of videos during COVID that couldn't get speakers to come in, so I recorded some videos. They were really popular, so every video series that I've done for them or a couple videos in the series, they're they're really popular. So they were like, this would be the perfect overlap. And so, yeah, so I started going and doing this, and um, uh, I, I discerned leaving. I was really struggling with leaving parish life. I mean, my whole life had been built up to do this. And uh, I was in Peoria, out of That Man Is You Parish, and I was discerning this, and they took me to the shrine of... Fulton, baby. Yeah, Fulton Sheen. Went to the cathedral, stood there in front of his remains at the crypt, and then um, took a tour, and it was he was born on May 8th. And I was like, that's the day I'm going to quit. So put in my two weeks. I had, I had chat GPT write my letter of resignation. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, May 8th was my last day. Um, brought in about 15 protestants into the catholic church which was one of my jobs at the church and then uh i was done with parish life and started this this whole this whole thing with that man is you so i'm the mission evangelist so that means that i go out and travel all over and do i was just in uh tucson arizona at a wonderful men's conference there next week i'm going to um north dakota to um, dickinson i'm going to do a whole bunch of events young adults youth that man is you and a radio station gala and i'm just representing that man is you as i go out so it's been it's been a blast because because here's the deal for people who work in parishes working in parishes is awesome sometimes it's incredibly exhausting sometimes it's so frustrating when you see how the sausage gets made but when you work for a ministry like an apostolate and they're all 
singularly focused on the their mission it is it is so, so refreshing so refreshing so yeah that was great yeah. Sounds great. Michael Gormley here is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. So we're going to get into uh, his new video series, The Joyful Mysteries. This is the second installment of uh, Mysteries of the Rosary series. So um, so what's the series then? I, I, I mean, we, to get, walk our audience here at Veritas, yeah. Michael. Walk us through what the series is all about. Yeah. So Mark Harfield had this vision of helping people pray the rosary. Now, a lot of people pray the rosary, you know how to pray the rosary, but a big part of it was, I mean, and I'm sure your audience knows what it's like when you're praying the rosary and especially as a family, I'm praying it with my kids. My dad, when I was raised, my dad's in the Knights of Columbus, we would pray the, the scriptural rosary, but you just get so like hail Mary after hail Mary, you're not even paying attention. Words are coming out of your mouth and you're like, oh, we're, we're already on the gl uh, glory be. Okay. So kids are hanging from like the chandeliers, people <laughs> yeah. like uh, throwing darts, across the room that's yeah. that's what that's when we're praying the rosary what's going yeah, on my son turns it into a weapon and exactly like, oh, whips one. his uh, sister <laughs> who's crying screaming to brushing yeah, it, teeth in the living room yeah when people say that uh like like padre pio that the rosary is a weapon i don't think he was envisioning toddlers uh going ape with it so <laughs> uh but very true very true so um basically what he wanted to do was help people engage into the mental prayer component of the rosary to take the words that you say and the mysteries themselves and to help contemplate it but because we're such a visual society now hd 4k blah 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 he he had this grand vision i thought this was incredible so he went and he hired 4 p.m media which if you're familiar with father Dave pavanka franciscan he has the wild goose series wild goose tv he films these beautiful videos like about the life of saint francis of assisi they're in assisi and all this stuff um switches it with with interviews mark was like i want to do that for the rosary so the initial series was within the that man is you framework it was for lent so it's a seven week thing five weeks on the individual mysteries within uh originally it was the sorrowful and then with an intro and a concluding you know lesson and it was kind of built around well we'll do these about around 30 minutes but we're going to go to the Holy Land and we're going to film it there and you will see the the church of the, you know, where Jesus was scourged or where the, you know, the Holy Sepulcher and, and you'll see these actual things and hear a little bit about the history of it, the archaeology of it. But really, it's all wrapped in the mantle of Mary. It's all wrapped in a contemplation of the life of Christ through the eyes of Mary. And Mark does a masterful job. Um, weaving together you know this like the mechanics of like this is what it is this is what we're doing to then like look at this holy site let's look into the mystery that is being revealed um and then they cut in these awesome interviews that pace that help to pace the meditation on the rosary with you know people's sharing their individual testimony this that whatever um doing their own explanation um we have uh well, so anyway so that's how it kind of all unfolds so it keeps your attention so I have my kids, uh, half of them struggle with uh, their old uh, dad's ADHD here, and they were able to watch the, we did the um, Sorrowful Mysteries on YouTube. They were able to watch it from beginning to end, uh, no problem. Like it, it holds your attention, right? And uh, so they finished the Sorrowful Mysteries for Lent. And so then the project became, let's do the Joyful Mysteries for Advent. 
So they, I mean, within, I mean, Mark is incredible because the team that he has built around him, within six months, they have all the permissions from the Holy Land and all the sites that they're going to go. They have the camera crews ready, everything set up. He writes out all of the scripts for everything. They plan out all the interviews, and then they're off to the Holy Land for like a week or two weeks, film all of these sites. You know, sometimes they're at like five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock at night to stay around the pilgrims and stuff. It's incredible. So it just really does it. It helps you to contemplate the face of Jesus through the eyes of Mary, and you get to see these historical sites. So for me, I just went to the Holy Land last October, so a year ago, and uh, and to be able to watch this with my kids, you know, they saw dad's photos from when I came back from the Holy Land, bored them endlessly with it. Uh, but now they get to see it as it's connected to the individual Hail Marys and rosaries and uh, mysteries and all this stuff. And so it just kind of, it makes it easier to contemplate the mystery. Michael Gormley is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Mike, where could, uh, where can our audience members access the, uh, the second installment of the series? Yes, yeah, so it's all free online, therosaryseries.com. Uh, and we have it structured so that, just like I was saying about discipleship, right? You want to have small groups. You want to share this with others. Um, so you can do it in large groups, parish groups, men's groups, women's groups. So the idea is it's laid out to be a program. Sure, you can watch the videos on your own, and you can pray along with it and all that stuff. But it's meant to be uh, experienced in... Uh, in a group setting, a small group setting. Now we've done this in classrooms, we've done this in prisons, we've done this in home groups, all this stuff. So my goal for my family is to open my home. I go to kind of a interesting parish. I have a, I don't know if you've heard of the ordinary of the chair of St. Peter. Um, it's a, a diocese created to bring in Anglicans into the Catholic Church. Yeah, I have actually. We've interviewed yeah. priests from that as well on the show, a couple of Okay, them. okay. So they, my parish, that's my home parish, and I belong to that diocese. And the, the difficulty is we're spread out. And so to have uh, my goal is to have our home open as a home base for people just to come and pray. And you watch a series, you pray the rosary, you have some, you know, you have some beverages or a light snack and you're good to go. And you're building community centered on the rosary, right? How awesome is that? So, yeah, so uh, the rosaryseries.com. It's all free. Well, considering the level of uh, spiritual protection we need at this this particular moment in history, you better you better darn well be praying in the rosary. Joe Restinello, I know you want to uh, you get into that. Yeah, a couple comments. First of all, I like what you're doing on the level of bringing it down to first principles. It's something that I have stressed and stress as well as practice. Um, there's so much out of our control right now, and I think. You know, you, getting back to your comments about like what's going on on social media, I think people focus on things that they can't control. What I can control is praying the rosary every day. I can control praying it with my spouse, particularly, and having my kids see it or hear it, even if they aren't participating in it because they're too young. I have very young children. So that's something I can do. And that's what your organization, Paradisos Day, is doing. Bringing it down to the holy family. It's the smallest cell of the church. I like that idea. Yep. I think this is something we all can do and focus on. I like it. Secondly, you're stressing the rosary. So many promises that Our Lady gives of praying the rosary, not to mention at Fatima, she asked everyone to do it. It's a 15-minute commitment a day. I am convinced and this is what we could talk about, and I want your comments, and Joe Pasillo, please comment as well. 
If every baptized Catholic, you know, there's so much on social media, memes, this, comment, Twitter, blah, blah. If every Catholic prayed the rosary 15 minutes in the United States of America, the country changes tomorrow. The country will change tomorrow, and we can't even do that. Yeah. Your comments on that, and that's why I love what you're doing. That's why, to be honest with you, we had you guys on in Lent to talk about the first edition. Now, yet we have you on now, um, and we'll have you on as long as you want, <laughs> to be honest with you, for as long as you're doing it. But I think it's first principles. It's frontline stuff. It's doable, and it sparks change. Yeah. Talk about that, because it's something we all could do. Yeah. Yeah. One of the beautiful things that you see in the rosary. So I do uh, prison ministry I used to do a lot more before COVID and I, I go to a maximum security uh, prison here in the state of Texas. Come to New Jersey. New Jersey's a prison overall. It's... <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say it, but you're absolutely right. It is. Uh, no. <laughs> they call it the garden state. Isn't exactly. Um... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, so my, my, um, my experience in prison ministry was through this wonderful, um, ministry called the Colby prison retreat ministries. And I'm a huge fan of what these people do. And, um, basically you go and you put on three day retreats and then the prison, basically what we did was the prison said, we're not going to let you do these crusades unless you're here for these men in the long haul. So then they let us have a hour or two hour long, what they call lay in where we could then catechize the men who want to come. And, uh, so this was something that was a big part of my life. And I'll never forget the second retreat that I did. We had this former neo-Nazi white supremacist swastika tattoo on his shaved head. Um, he uh, he had gone to a Protestant retreat, and he was a Protestant. He had gone to a Protestant retreat maybe 18 months prior, and it changed his life. He withdrew from the gangs. He withdrew from the violence. He withdrew from the, the just total toxicness of the prison life. And um, what ended up happening was it sent him on this path. So when you leave your gang, it's called being affiliated in prison. When you leave it, they'll let you leave for religious reasons. Like, we found Jesus. Okay, fine. Usually, if you're in a gang, they jump you out. They beat you up, and uh, it's called blood in, blood out. And almost every gang does this. Jersey works that way, too. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how you get your driver's license in Jersey. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I can say it. My parents are from Philly, and so there's always— Oh, love this, it. Uh, the city of brotherly shove. It's very similar. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, they threw batteries at Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the this, this, this guy, he stands up, and— when he had left his gang, right, to become a Christian, you put your life on the line because basically they say, you can leave and we won't jump you out because usually they'll kill you, they'll beat you to death if you leave the gang. But um, if you go to do this Christian thing and we see you doing unchristian things and we know you're just using it to get out of your responsibility to the gang and we'll kill you. So it's it to become a Christian is, everything is on the line. Your life is on the line, right, if you're affiliated. And so this guy, you know, is walking the walk, you know, living it, doing all the stuff. And he comes to our Catholic retreat. He's like, I just wanted to see what y'all are about. He holds up the rosary and he says, praying the divine mercy chaplet and praying the rosary. He's like, I still don't know about this whole Mary thing. I'm a little iffy there. Right. And he said, but when I pray this, when I'm done, I feel like my mind is ordered. He's like, my mind has a lot of disorder. And he looked around at the other guys in white and he's like, would you say that we are all here because our minds are a little bit disordered? And they all start laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And he just says, but praying this over and over again, you know, and he was also talking about the Divine Mercy Chapel to meditating on the passion of Jesus. He said, it's like my brain is Tetris blocks and they all are finally falling into place. And he said, and when I finish praying the rosary, I can now read the Bible, right? Like it, it and that's the thing that people don't understand is there's the element of the rosary that is a discipline right? It disciplines your desires, your will, your intellect, and it puts it onto holy things, which means it cultivates, like a farmer cultivating a field, it cultivates the right desires, the right impulses. And it's a struggle, right? Like any virtue, the struggle is like, I know I should want to do it, but I don't want to. I don't love it. I don't, I, I, I like, it's a mental thing. It's, it's an intellectual thing. It's not a willpower thing. It's not an emotional thing. But doing it is what makes it an emotional thing, it drives your desires, it moves and harmonizes your will with your intellect. And so the idea behind the rosary series and, and praying the rosary and using it as a tool that people lose sight of is it in the act of doing it, you are being formed in prayer, right? That's the thing. And you're meditating on the life of Christ through the eyes of Mary who knew him best, and you're drawing your attention from the greatest disciple ever to for, figure out how to follow the master. Like what better school could you have than the rosary? And so, you know, especially when you combine it with like the scriptural rosary, you are now learning the great life of Christ in sentence snippets, right? Verse snippets. It's so empowering. Michael, let's take a quick break here at the front line with Joe and Joe. If you're just joining us, we have Michael Gormley. We're discussing the rosary, but particularly a new video series uh, or the second installment of a video series that Michael had created, The Joyful Mysteries. Uh, and this is the uh, second, and the, the, the name of the series is Mysteries of the Rosary. Uh, Michael himself, he's a mission evangelist for Paradiso's Day. Uh, very happy to have him here to talk about this. We're going to continue to talk about the rosary on the other side of the break, so stick around. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're talking with Michael Gormley, and we're discussing the Joyful Mysteries. This is the second installment of his Mysteries of the Rosary series. Michael, I just want to uh, throw in a comment. I, and again, we were talking earlier about social media. Um, I noticed uh, it seems to be a lot going, like a lot of, uh, let's call them evangelical voices out there. It's not just a criticism anymore of, of the Catholic view of Our Lady, okay? It's almost an outright hostility, it seems to me. And when, I, when you combine that with the hostility towards Catholics and this idea that we don't know Scripture, and I'm going to bring this back to our conversation about the Rosary, okay? Um, I go to Mass, so I hear Scripture, okay? Um, aside from when I sit down and actually open the new testament or the old testament okay i go to mass if you go to the mass often enough uh like during the week you're going to hear more scripture all right but the joyful the sorrowful the luminous and the um and the glorious mysteries okay there's 20 events in in in, in the life in the gospel 20 events for me to contemplate 
I don't have to think about those events because I know them because I pray the rosary. So I understand the Annunciation, the visitation. I understand what happened there. Talk about that misconception that, in other words, like like this idea, number one, like I, like I said, I'm shocked. It's almost outright hostility uh, towards Mary and this lie. And it is a lie that the that Catholics don't, don't emphasize the need to know Scripture. Talk about that. Yeah, that, that's really my biggest thing right now. I mean, I, I spent the last seven years at St. Anthony's um, building what I called inclusion, which was a modified form of the RCIA for baptized and well-catechized Protestants to become Catholic. And the RCIA, the, it's principally made for unbaptized and uncatechized people. So it says, like, if you're baptized and catechized, like, you shouldn't be in the same process as everyone else, right? So I started inclusion as a way of bringing Protestants in by also addressing the concerns that they specifically have in a lot of rci programs you have people who have been reading and studying and praying their way into the catholic church and uh sitting next to like someone who's never opened a bible in their lives and i just think it's a poor formation um going on there so uh one of the things is we spent a lot of time on mary 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 quite contrary for so many people so um understanding where they're coming from and understanding uh that hostility or that fear a lot of it i would say is a fear it's a fear that catholics when they see catholics kneeling in front of a mary statue when they see uh when they hear marian prayers and all this stuff there is a fear of mariolatry that they are turning an idol of the blessed mother a lot of them will say things like, hey, no shade on Mary, no hate on Mary, but you Catholics are doing everything wrong. And they'll, they'll cite verses like in, in 1 Timothy where it says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And they look at Mary and our Marian prayers and say, well, it seems that you're asking for Mary's intercession. But the book of Hebrews says that Jesus, now ascended to the Father, never ceases to offer intercession for us, right? So what is Mary doing? Ceaselessly offering intercession for us, but that's Jesus's job. So there is this, this underlying fear of competition that diminishes the glory of God and the role of Christ and, uh, and his mission as our redeemer. And I would just say this is rooted principally, and I think this goes all the way back to the Reformation, even though Martin Luther and John Calvin had a much higher view of Mary than uh, most of their descendants. Um, there's a great movement called Orthodox Lutheranism, uh, and they, they say, no Presbyterians allowed with your Maria-phobia, right? So there are Protestants <laughs> who have a higher view of, uh, of Mary. However, um, it, it goes back to this understanding of what you could call, put it into mystic language, of secondary causality. Um, in the Catholic universe, there are angels and there are saints gathered around the throne of God. There are There is the body of Christ that is not separated by death, right? St. Paul explicitly says in Romans that because Christ is our head, we are members of the body. He said, and so we are joined to Christ, but then he says we are individually members of one another. And in Romans 8, he says that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ, not death, right? Not pestilence, the sword, tribulation, all that stuff. And so if the body, there's not two bodies of Christ, one in heaven and one on earth, right? It's all one body of Christ. We, you know, we call it church militant, church triumphant, church suffering, but the reality, it's one body. And so for Catholics, we have this full or thick view of the cosmos, of our relationship with God, that God is not in competition with the archangel Gabriel when he sent him out to Zechariah and to the Blessed Virgin in Nazareth. There's not competition there. But for so many people, right, especially in the John Calvinist kind of vein, um, the glory of God is held up as the highest thing and everything 
they have a fear of uh, diminishing that glory. Oh, you're giving it to the saints? No, it belongs to God. And as Catholics, and I said this to, in my class, I went to St. Anne's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and we had a big, beautiful Mary statue, and the Mary statue had uh, Anne and Joachim and the you know, child Mary. And I would go there every so often. My dad would give me a quarter, and I'd put it in the little thing, and I would light my taper and light a little candle, and I'd say, like, three Hail Marys. Never once in my head did I think, I'm worshiping the statue, I'm worshiping these people, I'm in competition with Christ, I'm going to marry because I'm afraid of Jesus. Like, that is nonsense for an average, ordinary Catholic. They were never taught, well, if Jesus is the front door, well, you gotta go to Mary, she's like the easy way into heaven. And some of that language is used, and it's, it's mostly hyperbole, but the, the problem with that view is Catholics never have a competitive view. We see the role of Mary as a reflection of the glory of God, right? We see her, her, any honor that we give to her is solely due to Jesus Christ. When I explain it to my, my Protestant students, I say, Mary in the Catholic church is the moon, right? All of her splendor is the reflection from the sun, her son, mm -hmm. right? And when you think about it from that perspective, St. Paul in Romans also says, give honor to whom honor is due, respect to whom respect is due. And I think we, we build monuments. One of my favorite monuments is um, the Marine Corps raising the flag on Iwo Jima, right? It's at the memorial. Um, it's, uh, you know, you, we've seen video of it. There's tons of statues of it everywhere. Um, no one worships those Marines, right? No one worships that stuff, the flag. No one worships it, right? The problem is, obviously, when we, you kneel down and pray in front of it, but for Catholics, what is worship? Worship is the offering of, and I would say biblically, worship is the offering of the sacrifice unto God. And for us, that sacrifice is the mass. But Protestants don't have a sacrifice that they offer. They just have what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago, but they don't have the mass. And so for them, worship is prayer, sermons, and music, right, and hymnody. And so when they see us praying about Mary Todd or you know, asking for our, her intercession, when they see us singing hymns to Mary, when they hear sermons on Mary, they think that's worship, right? right. And so going through that and, pull, and helping them make that distinction is liberating to them. It is liberating to them. And so I just say, uh, I'll never forget this one guy, Reformed Baptist, toughest crowd, right? And he just said, I just, I just am so nervous about this. I said, look, at the end of the day, when Jesus was hanging on the cross for your salvation, he looked at the disciple whom he loved and said, behold your mother. And he looked at her and said, behold your son. And scripture tells us from that very hour, he took her into his home. I said, this hour, you need to take her into your home. And yeah, he I'm looked at me and he was like, that's it. That's what I've never done. I'm scared to do that because I think, well, what if I give her too much honor, but it's her, his mom. How can you honor her more than what he has already honored her with? Right. right. Yeah. And and my and, and I'm not gonna lie to you. Okay. I get I get I, when you're talking about let's say you know the rank and file evangelicals. Okay. I certainly um, I I have no animosity. I don't never doubt their 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 sincere love of Jesus Christ or anything yeah. like that. My problem is with the Ray Comforts of the world and oh, people yeah. like that because they know they know. And this is in fairness. Okay. I'm not looking yeah. to cause trouble here, Michael. But in <laughs> fairness. When we explain, like you describe that to that gentleman, all right? Yeah. When you describe to somebody who's Protestant, say, you know, Jesus wasn't making living arrangements for his mom while he was hanging from the cross. There's something much deeper going on there. He's giving humanity to his mother. 
Yeah. Okay. And he's entrusting humanity to his mother. When you explain that, your rank and file evangelical might say, you know what? I never thought of it that way. The I call them competitors to the Catholic Church because sometimes it strikes me as business competitors. They know they're not telling the truth when they call us idolaters because they've heard our explanations of what we're doing. I'm not committing idolatry. Um, I'm not worshiping Mary. And they'll still continue to say, yeah, you don't know it, but you are. Oh, that's and so I'm not, not going to lie to you. That's, the, that's what bothers me beyond belief. Yeah. And I, I think for them, it's an irreconcilable view because they have to deny that the Eucharist is a sacrifice. They have to deny the Eucharist is a sacrifice because then they get to deny the priesthood, the hierarchy, and that that hierarchy was given to us by Christ. So it, it is amazing that when you start to see these threads of from, from what Christ was doing with the apostles in establishing a visible hierarchical church in the establishment of that he gave them the ability to give us the sacraments to communicate grace through the sacraments and that is by especially by the rate comforts of the world that is explicitly rejected they have an anti-sacramental view so their universe is very thin right so their universe is it's me and it's jesus and it's what jesus did for me and i believe on him and that's it and that is not the bible the Bible is the church, right? God is giving us the people of Israel, the king of Israel, right? He's giving us Jesus Christ as the, the king who founds the church, the kingdom of heaven. And so from this, there is a visible structure that we belong to, that we are members of. And participating in that church is angels and saints, but they cannot hold to that. So anything that even looks like what we would call secondary causality, that's not just Jesus sending you grace directly anything mediated is is a counter gospel you can say all that you want about well no we don't we honor her we don't worship her and they'll say nope 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 that's what you do because their right. worldview is thin but when you look at the book of revelation which is you know you could call it the gospel of mary in a certain way uh when you look at the book of revelation you see roundabout angels and saints right and you see their intercession you see it says that the angels have incensors and inside the incense is the prayers of the saints being offered to god the saints under the altar of god are crying out how long a lord until our blood is avenged because they're all martyrs they know what is happening on earth they're not asleep a lot of protestants believe in soul sleep as soon as you die your soul goes to sleep and then you wake up at the last judgment and they're, they're completely disconnected from the life of the church. They have to believe these things to uphold their reformation and then Americanized version of the reformation so many years later. So it well, is I'm visceral. It is visceral. Well, we're glad, Michael Gormley, that you're out there and you produced this video series, The Mysteries of the Rosary. Uh, the second installment is The Joyful Mysteries. Please, everyone out there, go access it primarily. Michael, you said primarily on YouTube is where it can be accessed? Well, the the, the first series is the, the Sorrowful Mysteries are up on YouTube, but uh, go to theroseryseries.com. You just put in your name and email address and you get it for free there. Absolutely. Joe Resinello, where do you want to go? Uh, I just want to say that was a phenomenal explanation. You see, Joe and I just tase people, Michael. You see, you you're just that was just gentle and so well said. You know what I'm saying? Like in New Jersey, you just tase them. You'd be like, "What's your what's your what's your problem? You can't pray the rosary. What is your problem?" You're, you see, you, that that's the difference. That's my that's my usual conversation with an with an evangelical. It's like, "What are you talking about?" It's exactly. Jesus, you're, 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 you just to took it to a different level. It was so well said. People should listen to it. I listened to it, and I think it was. 
phenomenal. Nice. You know, my parents are from Philly and we've lived in the, uh, so I was born in Oklahoma and then we've lived here in Texas. So the Southern hospitality, the Southern stuff, but my parents, you, you can take the girl out of Philly, but you can't take the Philly out of the girl. Oh, absolutely not. They just like throw tar on you. That, that, there, there's a judge at the Philadelphia Eagles game for a reason. I, I, right I, on the spot. You go right yep. to you. I, I have been there. <laughs> we, my dad got beer kicked on him uh, in, in oh, the yeah. middle of a that's, brawl. Yeah. That's um, far for the course. But, my, but in, as mom. far as, uh, honestly, in all seriousness, yeah, yeah. as far as this particular series, you guys have some interviews. I saw a few of them. You got a sister of life there. You can't talk about joy if you're not talking about the sisters of life. Tell us oh. a little bit about the interviews, who you got there, what it's all about. What are they saying? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. For the Sorrowful Mysteries, I forgot that they actually interviewed me because uh, when I watched it with my kids, it was like two years later and all this stuff. And then there's my goofy head coming up on the screen. So the kids are watching, and then all of a sudden I'm there, and all they're doing is, like, making fun of me. They're like, Dad, why is it hair sticking up on your head? And what is it? And I was like, just listen to the thing. <laughs> but uh, they do they do phenomenal interviews. And one of them is um, Sister Faustina, who's a member of the Sisters for Life. Uh, and they're, I mean, Sister Faustina, I actually I was uh, at Franciscan with her as well and um her story is incredible uh her parents met padre pio that got together because of him like it's a crazy awesome story so um sister Faustina, you know joins this order if you've ever heard of the litany of trust she wrote the litany of trust it's a beautiful prayer um and their testimonies within the joyful mystery so like i said so you have mark and he's talking about the rosary talk giving you a little bit more um kind of like biblical exegesis around each of the mysteries, right? So you can have that intellectual component to actually meditate. Um, as Catholics, when we meditate, we're not Eastern like Buddhists or something. We don't try to empty our mind. We try to focus our mind, right? And so uh, he gives you that intellectual content and then the, the interviews. And one of our favorite <laughs> interviews is with Sister Alexia. Sister Alexia of the Orders of the Pierced Hearts, um, she's incredible and she's incredible because i did a radio show with two dominicans who were doing they do a rosary pilgrimage thing two dominicans these awesome guys up in dc heavyweights in the intellectual world intellectual giants like i own some of their books kind of thing and it's sister alexia and i was the mc and i'm trying to do this and every time she was on the screen and was giving an answer about what the rosary means for her. Like the whole, like all the, all the audience was like 500 people listening live. The Dominicans were all just like sitting there like, tell me more, right? Like we were like <laughs> children to her and she's like <laughs> 10 years younger than me. And it was incredible to hear like, what is it like when a soul wholly gives itself over to God in love, right? That's Sister Alexia. And you hear her story as this girl at a Catholic school who was, you know, somewhat mediocre about her faith and she talks to her teacher and her teacher tells her to pray the rosary and that teacher is my boss's mom mark hartfield's mom and so it starts this beautiful movement within this young girl's life to then it spawns her religious vocation it spawns her life within the religious order so you get these beautiful things um these these beautiful real world stories uh, my favorite real world story and i share this whenever i do um conferences is especially men's conferences because i do those all the time now um is and you can go on youtube and type in the power of one hail mary the power of one hail mary and it's a story about a a guy in pittsburgh who was out for a jog and uh sees his neighbor that he doesn't know coming out on a gurney you know the ambulance is out front and he just his heart is moved and he stops right where he's at and he just prays one hail mary for that person who he doesn't know and he goes keeps running 
Um, and a week later, he's running the route again, and that woman sees him, and she runs out to him, and she's like, I saw Jesus when I was in the hospital, and he told me that you pray to Hail Mary for me, and that's why I'm alive. And it's this crazy, and it's like, it's, it's in the video series, it's like a three-minute thing. But it's situated within uh, the way they kind of built up the, the rosary series. It's the first episode as they're introducing the power of the rosary. And you hear that story. So you can watch it on YouTube as like a standalone thing or within the content. And my kids were fascinated. And I think we lose sight of this, that the Hail Mary as a simple prayer, it's a biblical prayer. It's a deeply honoring prayer by giving Mary these titles. Um, but at the same time, it is so absolutely vulnerably human pray for us now and at the hour of our death, right? So outside of all the things, all the praise that we give and all the honor that we give to Mary, this is our petition. Like, please pray for me now and when I die. And that movement of, of the Hail Mary and hearing how this simple prayer, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, with a little bit of extra on top, has revolutionized these testimonies that you hear from St. Sister Faustina and her story of um, helping uh, a, a woman in a crisis pregnancy pray the rosary and how it changed her life. Um, Sister Alexia and how she found her vocation in it. You see the, what I would call ordinary grace. Like we all love sensational stories. You know, I prayed the rosary and you know, a lightning bolt came down and everyone just started speaking in tongues or whatever. But these are the stories of the movements of ordinary grace that I think, you ever, you ever go to like a conference or a retreat and you hear these testimonies, it's like, I was a drug dealing murderer, I was a hitman. Now when I do the prisons, that's, that's the ordinary testimony. But uh, when, you do, when you do this, you hear this stuff and you're like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. If Christ could save someone like you, surely me. But then you like kind of get burned out on the sensationalism and you just kind of long to hear like, yeah, I've been a Catholic my whole life, but I didn't realize the value of the rosary till I was in my 30s. And I started praying it with my family and it's made us tighter and this is what we do and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, I need the ordinary grace. I need the daily life grace. And that's also what these stories are. So you get a little bit of everything, right? You get these beautiful stories of conversion, but then you get the like incremental movement deeper into the mystery of Christ. You know, it's funny you say that because that's that's kind of like my story. Michael Gormley joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. As I always say on the show here, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, could, I can't pinpoint the day and the time that my life changed in any particular way. But when I look on when I look at the last 18 years of my life, I say, but something something definitely <laughs> changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some some definitely happened there. Um, now, there's there's uh, our own individual sin. All right. Sin is is evil. Nobody, obviously, as Catholics, we're very aware of that. We go to confession. Uh, we don't beat ourselves. We're, we're, we're sober about our sins, I think, uh, in the Catholic Church. We understand that we're weak. We give it to Jesus. And he gives us the grace to give us the strength so that we can put these things down. All right. But on a Mac and, and, and the rosary central to that. For yeah. Catholics, if you're a serious Catholic, you should be praying like Joe Rosanello said. You should be praying your rosary every day, or like you know, aside from Joe Rosanello, Padre Pio and 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 others. To but on a macro extent, level, Padre Pios. <laughs> but on a macro level, Mike, we, we, you know, we're not the type to think that we live in the worst time in human history. But but you could make an argument that this is right up there, okay? <laughs> um, and the rosary is essential in combating evil. 
Let's face it, it's not just the movement of our own souls and drawing us closer to Christ. There is also a matter of the fact that we are fighting against some serious evil in high places, as St. Paul tells us in Ephesians, okay? We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against some, some serious darkness out there. Talk about how about, okay, we pray the rosary to protect ourselves and to move our souls and to bring us closer to Christ. How about for the, ref, you know, for the renewal of the world, for the renewal of our nation? To, 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 to defeat evil. Talk about it. You know where I'm going with that, Michael. Yeah. There, the, when you think about the rosary, um, so many people think of it as this, this quaint thing that pious old people pray in their pews quietly. Um, the rosary is indeed a weapon. And we don't like to think, and sometimes it's hard to put, you know, you don't want to overly militarize the analogies, but the reality is we are in a battle. This is a spiritual combat. One of the greatest works in the 1500s in the Catholic Church was called uh, by this guy named Dom Scupoli called the spiritual combat. And to think for an instant that this is not a war for our souls, for our generation, for our children, um, you, you are living a lie. You are living in la la land and you need to get out now. Now with that, the rosary is the is one one of the principal ways to combat evil because Mary's role is the new Eve, right? She is there. She's the fullest icon of the church. What is the church? It is the virgin bride of Christ that is spotless without blemish. And it is the fruitful mother whose children are all those who keep the commandments of Christ and who bear witness or testimony to Christ. Um, and so if you think about this, the virgin bride and the fruitful mother, I've only known one woman in the history of the world who could have those, both of those qualities simultaneously. So when you look at her as the new Eve, the old Eve failed. She was deceived. She went to the tree of death and she made, the book of wisdom says, made a covenant with death, pined for it. And when you look at the Blessed Virgin Mary, what does she do? She inherits a world that is fallen. And when she bears the Messiah within her womb, everyone wants to dismiss her, and the, the Talmud even says this, as an adulteress, right? She's a fornicator. She's an adulteress. She's, this is not some miraculous birth. This is something untoward. And in the middle of all of, like, here is the son of God. It's just, it's the equivalent of the, the Pharisees saying he casts out demons by the power of demons, right? Or by the power of Beelzebub. And the, the idea of like saying the holiest thing in the world is something evil. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And so Mary as a tabernacle of our Lord, she brought salvation to us by giving us her son. So Jesus obviously is the savior, but Mary is the primary instrument through which Christ was brought into the world, through which his humanity, his incarnation, his flesh, his humanity only came from Mary. Like we need to think about this, right? It, the thing that was offered for us on the cross, his body of flesh offered for us to, to bring the hostility between Jew and Gentile to an end, between God and man to an end, to overthrow the reign of Satan, sin and death. St. Paul over and over again calls it the reign of sin. It's not just, oh man, I broke a rule. It's the devil rules us, has a dominion of darkness. And how do we get transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? And that is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and through his grace. And that body that died and that body that rose was given through the fiat of Mary. Let it be done unto me according to thy word. She did the exact opposite thing of Eve. 
right? Who looked at the fruit and it was pleasing to the eye, good for food and desirable to make one wise. That's what the, the book of uh, Genesis says. Those three things, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and pride of life. And uh, this understanding that Mary undoes these things. But in a fallen world, Eve had everything for her. Mary had everything against her and she was faithful. She was obedient and her son saved the world. So when it comes to us in our walk with Christ and the battle against the fortresses of, of Satan, right? These, these strongholds that exist within our hearts because of sin and habitual, especially habitual mortal sin, because of these things that are around us, why wouldn't we go to the woman whose humble yes brought salvation into the world? right? It's not that she is the Savior. Her yes brought us the Savior. God cooperated with her just as God wants to cooperate with you. And so- And was an act of her own free will, by the way. Yes. And that's the, see, this is the thing. This is what sanctity is. It's not the annihilation of my will. It's the harmony of my will with the divine will. This is why it, it blows my mind. This Protestant apologist guy who's a monothelite, <laughs> like of all heresies to be. And he, uh, he denies that Christ had a human will. And it's like, but that's what holiness is. The union of the human and the divine will, like having my will perfect in union with Christ and of all human persons, Jesus was a, he had a human nature, but not a human person. He was a divine person. Mary was the one who's maternal heart was always beating at one with the sacred heart of Jesus. So when it comes to battling against the kingdom of darkness, right, we take a Marian approach, right? So we are not also, and, and, and no shade being thrown, we are not Muslims. Our, the one that we follow, this is a Muslim apologist who said this, the reason why Christians roll over, this is, that was their phrase, uh, and you'll understand what this means in, in, in a second, is because they follow a guy who was crucified by the political powers we follow a guy who was the political powers, right? He was the head, he was the warlord, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, what, and so this person saying roll over means they don't view the spread of the religion through violent means, right? How did Jesus enter into the world? Through the yes of the Virgin Mary and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. How will the Holy Spirit enter into these darkness, strongholds, fortresses of the devil and all of this stuff, the reign of, through the yes of you in union and in imitation of the Virgin Mary and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you look at Genesis chapter three, the first proclamation of the gospel, Eve falls, Adam falls, God comes in judgment asking the question that is terrifying, where are you, right? Where are you? Michael, we got it. I'm sorry, Michael, we're oh, coming no. up on the end of the show oh. and, and we have to leave it there. It, it sucks because we could talk for hours. With I know, you, brother. this is what I do. <laughs> Michael, uh, real quick, uh, we have about a minute. Wrap it up. Let our audience know the the, 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 the title, where to find it, all that fun stuff. No, uh, follow you if you're still, you know, if you're more than going to dip your toe <laughs> in the social media water. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, therosaryseries.com, where you can understand. It's all free. You go online, therosaryseries.com. It'll get you connected. Paradisius Day. It's all free. Um, eventually, it's going to be on formed and all of those things. We want you to learn how to pray the rosary through meditative prayer, not just vocally saying the words. Have your full energies, mind, imagination, all devoted to praying the rosary. Uh, you can find me at Lay Evangelist on Twitter. I don't really do the Facebook thing. That's just for family and friends. So, uh, yeah, that's where I am, or LayEvangelist.com. Marry the New Eve. You can't get better than that. Can't get better that's than right. that. That's right. Michael Gormley, thank you so much for coming on the front line with Joe. And Joe, you're welcome back here anytime, brother. Awesome. Thank you, guys. 
You're welcome. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, share it with your friends. Uh, this way you have access to all of our station's content. Let's, let's try to really spread the word as we're trying to do with this interview. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, you can follow us all over social media, primarily Rumble and Twitter. Really want to look to build those up before Facebook and YouTube decide to drop the hammer on us, which could come at any time. Uh, so thank you once again and remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>